Oh, gas tax. Yeah, um, gas tax. Maybe we can edit this in if you want to, but also apparently it's a radical view. So, <laughs> of course it is. <clears throat> Where did I put it? Politics, probably. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so my my main thought is that at some point the oil is going to run out. Or even not that it runs out, but that we get, you know, get in an argument with Saudi Arabia or any of any of the Middle Eastern countries. Okay. Um, at some point, the U.S. will not have access to as much oil as we have now. Right. Um, I feel like that's been established as a thing that can happen by the oil crises of the 70s and the 80s. And I don't think there were any in the 90s, but there was definitely one. In the 20 aughts. So I feel like it's a thing most people who are like over 20 have experienced multiple oil crises in their lives, which I think points to the idea that at some point we will not have access to as much oil as we do now. So when that happens, either we will be prepared for it or we won't be. I suppose, yes. There's absolutely no middle ground whatsoever. <laughs> it'll take us completely by surprise mm-hmm. or we'll be we'll already be okay well oil. okay yeah so the thing is first it won't be that there's no oil it'll be that oil is much more expensive that the price of oil will increase and increase and increase right because it is harder to get and takes more work to get and we'll go and the price will go up and so if oil is i don't know what numbers are um forty dollars a bucket right now <laughs> okay and at some point a decade in the future, oil is going to be $70 a bucket. Someone will have to bear the cost of oil being $70 a bucket. Okay. Presumably, if you plan to live for the next 10 years, that will be you. Ha! That's where you're... <laughs> gotcha. Not if global warming kills me first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so... Another option would be to, over the next two years, or, you know, whatever, artificially put the price at $70 per bucket. Right. So that there's $30 per bucket of, of extra money going into a, a fund somewhere that can be used um, specifically for reducing our dependence on oil. And you could set it up so that in 10 years, when it is $70, none of that money is going to the bucket. But in five years, when it's $50 a, a bucket, then what, how do numbers, $20 per bucket go into the fund? Yeah, I follow. I don't remember what I cited before. Probably something about corruption and probably something about like 10 years being a long time. I, I didn't say real, real numbers before. I just said gas prices are inevitably going to rise sooner or later. Right. It's non-renewable. I still don't think you can convince people that this is an issue, Zach. It's like the, the, it's all hinges on someone saying, hey, the gas tax is a good idea. Let's, and yeah, assuming all this is correct, assuming all of what you are saying is correct, which I to some degree think it is. Mm-hmm. This is probably a pretty good solution to just jack it up now mm-hmm. so that it's not a big deal later or to even slowly rise it up now mm-hmm. so that there are some, some transition time and people can, you know, 
get out of whatever business they're in that relies on <laughs> oil being cheap. Because in the long run, like, yeah, people are going to be more important than your businesses. But, like, the economy also affects people, and the economy mm-hmm. is affected by oil. Right, yeah. So that's, um, I don't remember if I said it here, but one thing that might go wrong would be that, like, historically, gas taxes have disproportionately um, hit the poor, especially because they were really localized, and people with more time or more money could just go outside of whatever region the gas tax is in. Mm-hmm. Like, if just New York has the, New York City has the gas tax, then you can go to New Jersey, buy your gas there, drive back into New York. And just, like, generally speaking, something that costs more mm-hmm. will be a bigger deal for someone with less money. Just as a percentage of their total, yeah. wor- their total uh, liquid assets, like, they are disproportionately affected um that's a really good point and and you know giving it a good four minutes of thought um the best thing i could come up with was to set it up so that people with uh snap benefits or who qualify for food stamps whatever the whichever of the many government markers of you are poor you want to use um can use a particular card or a particular voucher at gas stations to pay a lower price and have that be subsidized by that oil price increase one of the reasons i really like a universal basic income is that it allows the government to just like give out the money and say do whatever the heck you want with it it's not our problem anymore Mm -hmm. like you make enough to survive based on our calculations. If that's not the case, then we have to revisit this. But like, let's assume that this is enough to survive. Right. No more food stamps. Okay. Like, that's the, that's the kind of thing I like about universal basic income. We don't have to listen. Basically, we don't have to listen to they're buying booze with the food stamps. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's whatever they want to do with it. They can just do it. Right. And the sim- what, a similar thing can be said for gas, because like we have all these markers of you are poor, but um, uh, see how well it works, because there are no, the, we help poor people and there are none. Okay. What I mean by that is that there's always going to be somebody, Zach, you know, who's disproportionately affected by uh, the government taking money and putting it somewhere else. And like, I'm not saying that it's even a bad idea, Uh, especially because excluding people who are famously uh, just hated for no reason, just for the fact that they don't have money, uh, is not going to give making them exempt from a tax that uh, rich white people have to pay is certainly not going to help that relationship. Especially because gas is so such an emotional thing. Especially because I, I think I think it's mostly because cars are so important to people mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, I have a a laundry list. Okay. A lot of times in America, there aren't many places that exist as like private spaces. Um, and so if you're in a city. You don't have the space for a man cave, so you use your car as your, like, personalized living room. Okay. In your, your, your other option is to live 
in the suburbs where you have the space for a man cave, but because everybody has the space for a man cave, they need to drive there. Right. Um, so there's one. I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head. The biggest one is that people just treat it like the, the biggest one that always comes to my mind is that people just treat it like a living room. Can't relate, but I think I understand. Mm-hmm. And also at some point people got tied to the idea of cars being freedom. Car mm-hmm. equals freedom, and America is so freedom-oriented. Ah, yes. Good old freedom. The stuff we have so much of. And I'm not being cynical. You're being cynical. I just listened to an Ezra Klein podcast last week about... Um, he was interviewing some guy that was like, liberalism is killing America. But he didn't mean liberalism like Democrats. He meant like people wanting their own things, <laughs> like individual liberties. Mm-hmm are killing america yeah go kami i guess i don't i don't even know what narrative he was trying to spin i like owning things i like having things yeah you you seem to imply that if i'm not gonna get up in front of a stage um and and announce my plan for a a gas tax that it wasn't worth talking about and sometimes i just no i that's not really what i meant okay i meant more something something more like um it's not about you, right? It's just in general, like, so far, despite, like, overwhelming ele- evidence to the contrary, everyone still thinks that we can just keep doing this forever. What this? Burning fossil fuels, uh, making things, like, more landfilly and mm-hmm. more shitty, frankly, because this earth is a limitless resource because uh, that's a thing that can exist. Mm-hmm. There's a hurdle that is super tall. Uh, the linchpin to this idea, which I think is a good idea, mm-hmm. if, if the linchpin holds, which is that you need someone to want to do this. Right. And it's easy for you and me, us non-car owners, to go, yeah, it's a great idea. But, like, I even uh, my roommates with cars are like, gas, man, I can't afford to go to blank already. And, like, and what I'm saying is that that's going to be a problem once oil is $70 a bucket, no matter who sets that price. Eventually. But, like, something that I get from my dad a lot is me saying like, oh, well, I'm going to not do that because it'll, uh, you know, I'll be, I'm not going to buy this thing. I'm not going to do that thing because it's expensive or it will be bad long term or um, I would rather use this money for something later. And he's like, or or you could get hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. Even the people who think that you can run out of resources, which is not everyone. I would just like to say again. Ah! Even the people who do think that also acknowledge that it might not be their issue and shouldn't affect, and so their happiness shouldn't be affected by, shouldn't be affected artificially. When their freedom should not be affected artificially. <laughs> You're right. You're right, and that's why I'm sighing so big. Uh, a couple years ago, we wanted to fix up the UWM Student Union. Um, and to do that, we needed to have a referendum 
So they made all of the students as they were signing up for classes, you know, rushing in to sign up for their classes. Before they could actually sign up, they needed to check either yes or no on this thing that was like, hey, starting two years from now, prices like seg fees are going to increase up to $25 a semester, like slowly increase until they hit $25 a semester for all students. Um, And that money is going to go towards making the union look good and new and work so we can actually have a student union and not have it like catch fire because the fire suppressant systems are from the 50s. And a whole bunch of students, even though most of them, like literally the majority of them would never pay more than $10 extra for the student union because they weren't going to see the student union fixed up because it was, you know, a 10 year project. Mm hmm. Voted no. I'm a dad now, so all of my agreements are anecdotes. Unfortunately, it's very hard to convince someone to do something that won't affect them. Um, I was just having a talk with some... Oh, I'm not talking close enough to the microphone just because I, I realized that um, uh, you said that we might put this in, considering it's a half hour long now. <laughs> uh, you know, 25 uh, minutes. Um <sighs> I'm never going to get hired at Exxon now. My lifelong <laughs> dream. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I was having a discussion with someone. Um, one of the things I, I kept getting to bring into this discussion was that, like, okay, yeah, this, this idea that you have, no, that someone else had that you don't agree with, is going to negatively affect you in your taxes. Let's just say if in gas tax in regular tax in mm-hmm. whatever you decide but like will it affect you greatly you'd be paying ten dollars for the student union mm-hmm. and yeah don't get me wrong that's a lot for someone mm-hmm. but to this person i was talking to it was not by the fact that we were having this discussion over coffee right you know <laughs> right and this is a well-thought-up plan that is going to probably directly make someone happier. So, the student union plan? Sure, yeah. Okay. It's a well-thought-up plan that will make somebody happier. Mm-hmm. Maybe not you, maybe not anyone you care about, but somebody. Right. Probably. I'm going to put a probably on the student union. There's always the chance for disaster when it comes to bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, like, isn't that... Why isn't that good enough? Why isn't it good enough to mm. make someone else's life better in a well thought out and systematic way? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I, I, I understand there's um, a lot of worry about, let's say, like, uh, universal basic income is on my mind. There's, right. a wor- there's a worry that this is not a good plan because, like, for one thing, we, uh, we have a lot of people who don't know how to spend money well, mm-hmm. which could lead you to think that this is not a well-thought-out plan and this is not going to help people. But I can't really think of why you could say that for a student union or why you could say that for a gas tax because this doesn't affect you that much, or maybe it does in the gas tax, but certainly mm-hmm. not in the student union. This probably doesn't affect you that much, and if it does affect you, you can probably work something out with the, with the school. Right. Like, yeah, this is what I signed up for. I signed up for to pay exactly this much money, and uh, well, this is what I exactly can pay. I don't know, and the thing about it is that, like, $10 is a tiny fraction of the amount of money that gets tacked on 
that's like the extra fee for having too many fees when you open up your student loan account. That's not to say that we should just like, oh yeah, well, $10 here, $50 mm-hmm. there, and just nickel and dime our way to an extra thousand. Right. But I, don't, like, I don't remember what the like official name of it is, but there's something to the tune of like apocalyptic spending mode, which is where your brain goes, well, I just bought a car. So what's like a nice dinner out? Really? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> like you don't want to do that, but it on an individual basis, as the issues come in, as the the potential taxes come in, you can make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know what the deal with the student union is. Maybe like it's entirely possible that I don't know enough about this and that this is actually just a terrible plan for a student union and that's really why they uh, voted no, but that doesn't, based on what you told me, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, no. Most of the people I've talked to either just hit no because it was in a series of checkboxes and things they had to get to um, to get to the end and they just clicked no because they didn't want to like pop up hell. Everyone is used to just clicking no. I don't want to opt into whatever this thing is that I haven't heard of and I don't want to think about it right now because I'm in in the brain mode of yeah, signing get, up for classes. Through it. Yeah. So that was the main reason is that, you know, democracy is a sham and we don't have compulsory voting except for when it's bad. Um, <laughs> sir, just edit that out, please. Or at least include the part where I say edit that out because I don't believe that. Democracy is a good thing. Um, Best we've got. Yeah. Where was I? Oh, the other reason is that they were like, well, that's 10 whole more dollars that I've got to pay to this school that, you know, is stealing all my money, stealing all my money and, and giving me these, you know, all these all these services in re- return for this money. Services that I did not ask for generally is the feeling. Ah, you can't you can't have if only the veterans paid for the veterans center at UWM, there yeah, wouldn't no. be a veterans center because the veterans <laughs> don't don't pay seg fees. And that's its own dumb thing. That's a weird federal government thing. That's not a thing UWM can change. But it is a fact that you need everybody to pay a little bit so that the people who are underserved get get better. Yes, this is how taxes work. They tried to make opt-in seg fees a year or two ago at UWM. <laughs> wonder how well that worked. Um, it probably would have gone great, except um, the student, it's not student council. What's it called? The student government. <laughs> it's basically student council. Um, the student government was not filled with Republicans. I'm pretty sure is like the only reason that it didn't happen. I disagree. With I think, what? I think that if that had gone through... You, there would be a lot less people paying the seg fees. I, my guess it would be, my intuition says, if you call it intuition, it sounds smarter. Okay. My intuition says that this would follow the amount of money that the school would lose, or not lose, but um, opportunity cost away <laughs> would be uh, significant. There were a lot of trackbacks in that sentence. I think that if the student government mm-hmm. said, yeah, opt-in seg fees are good, okay. let's do that, the school would lose a lot of money, and losing a lot of money is not, the quite, is not quite accurate. They would, via opportunity cost, lose a lot of money. No one's okay. taking the money away. It's just right. not being given to them. But yes, 
which is why they didn't do that. Because, like, if there was, a, you know, if a student government decided there needed to be, like, a sad white boys resource center, I probably would not really want to support it personally, but the I, I don't think the sad white boys need it. Um, and it's just, it's just, you know, my example, I don't think they have that, but if they did, it would be because the student government that the students elected, um, heard the impassioned plea of all the sad white boys who like got up in front of a board of 10 people and not in front of every single student on campus to make the argument for why their club should exist and why their club is helping people on campus or not club resource center, whatever. And I think that's a a good thing. I don't, I don't know where I was. I don't know where I'm at. I'm also confused. Are you saying that... Oh, okay. I was saying that if there was a sad white boys club, I would... And we had individual seg fees. I would not pay the seg fee to sponsor the sad white boys club. But if the student government... Okay. Let's, let's for the sake of argument, though. Okay. If there was... If the sad white boys club said, hey, look at the people we're helping. In what forum? Sad white boys. I don't know. No, no. I mean, how would the sad white boys convey to me that they were helping anyone? I don't know. Advertising. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Because the, the whole point I'm making is that it's a lot easier to inform the student government than the entirety of the student body why your thing is important. I see. Okay. I see. And I got hung up because I realized that I was about to make the point that the student government was elected by the students, um, which it is, but... Nobody votes in the student elections. Yeah, uh, regardless, they should have to, like, try to do its best for the student body. Mm-hmm. Which, I think, is not individual seg fees. Right. That's what I was saying. Right. I'm agreeing. Great. <laughs> um, jumping back to the gas tax, Certus gets so ready to just, like, have your finger on the cut button, because I'm not sure how, uh, how far I want to push this. I already know how my parents react when I say something to the tune of, I think there should be a gas tax because it seems like in 10 years, gas is going to be $70 a bucket and we should just make it $70 a bucket now and then be better. Um, how, like, how do you think other people would respond to this idea? Similarly to your parents. How do you think people <laughs> would respond to this idea? Much more harshly than your parents. Do you think... Uh, what do you think he would have a problem with, or do you think he would just see it as a personal attack? Oh, cut, cut, cut. Yeah. Um, okay, just, <laughs> just for information, um, like, oil is not going, in, in his mind, oil is not going away anytime soon. Nor is it, while it is a limited resource, it is uh, limited in only how much we can find. His issue is that we are getting it all from the Middle East and we have so much of it and just can't get it because of probably government regulation. Right. Because there's a lot of other knock-on effects of yanking yes. oil out of the ground. That's... Yes. But yeah, he doesn't think that, like, we're uh, close to being... We're close to needing something like that. Like, thinks solar is great, but, like, we need... There's going to be a lot more work before it's even close to mm -hmm. what we can do with oil. And until that time where solar technology is... I don't think he thinks that solar technology is going to advance any quicker or slower if we 
do or do not put a gas tax on. That would be my assumption. Okay. That would be what I think he would think. I think the economics argument would be that now there's an economic incentive for there to be other ways of producing energy. Yeah. There are economic incentives for that now, though. It's just less extreme and makes a lot less people sad. And if it is a decade, then I think we're screwed, Zach. I don't think we're going to make significant leaps in solar or wind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Black hole circling. I think that's the most efficient form of energy production. It's like the kinetic energy you get from orbiting a black hole. Yeah. Huh. Like, yeah, I think it's like oil is like 1% efficiency. Nuclear is like 5 Antimatter, in theory, is 50, and black hole is a bit higher than that. Uh, Not that we have any idea what antimatter is, (laughs) (laughs) but in theory, we could gain 50% efficiency from it, which would be amazing. Yeah. I think oil is a lot less than 1%, actually, Mm -hmm. now that I think about it. I feel like solar is less than that. At this oh point. yeah, it's it's terrible. It's absolutely awful. Wind as well. It's just mm-hmm. it's abysmal. But to become less reliant on oil, Zach, we need technological leaps and bounds in non-oil energy devices. Or we could just like build a train network that gets us around the U.S. without using all of the fuel that airplanes do. You gotta build it though, right? That's energy. Like, it's a one-time mm-hmm. energy, but you just got to maintain it. And, like, there's a graph that where there's a the point at which those two curves intersect on the graph. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to calculate. We can estimate. And if I, my intuition says that we would not pass that network, we, that network would not pass that point for a very long time to the point where, like, the train wouldn't be necessary anymore, most likely, because we have teleporters now or whatever. Yeah, I, I, know. I know that planes use a lot of fuel, and part of the reason they're so cheap is just because you can squeeze a lot of people onto them, and we have a pretty robust network of plane building and plane infrastructure. Right, because it's fast. And we did that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Now we have different issues where airlines are being stupid and trying to not go bankrupt. Stupid airlines. Wait, hold up. (laughs) Airlines are trying to what now? Airlines are trying not to go bankrupt and they're stupid for that. Just the the nickel and diming, you know? And air is a really monetarily efficient way to get around, you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. You're just saying that trains I'm are saying that we, less? I'm, sa- I'm saying that we have an infrastructure. Okay. And regardless of its efficiency, it's here. And we don't have that for trains. And to build one for trains would be more than the cost of just doing airplanes for that long. And that, I don't have any evidence for that. Mm-hmm. But certainly the argument you're going to run into, like, we already yeah. have planes. And we have trains to some degree as well. They're just not for people. We have trains for people. They're just awful. All right. Thank you for poking holes in my argument, because that's what I came to you for. Anytime. But who, man? 
Some some people, I tell ya. Yep, that's me. I'm some people. Some people's kids. Hey, Zach. Hey, Sirtis. Oh, wait, we're skipping that one. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, I just... I do, We can do it if you want. I just thought, like, we just skipped to something more interesting. More uh, interesting than Zach being right? Uh, yeah. There can't be. There As can't if. Be. I think that all content produced should be about why I'm right, and that's why I'm starting my own cable news channel. Um, it's very expensive, though, so I'll get around to it later. <laughs> Zach, you were right about time tracking. Can you refresh me on what I said about time tracking? You said that one should not strive for the most accurate picture of how you spent your time. Ah, okay. A while ago, said about time tracking. Yeah. Do you have... All right, that's it. Let's move on. Is there... (laughs) No, I, I just spend time tracking a lot and... Uh, when it is not as school-related, it is uh, less important, I suppose, uh-huh. to be like really keeping track of how long you're doing this thing and how long you're doing that thing. Because with school, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing. If I go get a drink of water, I'm not thinking about school. Okay. Yeah. With, my, with my jobby job and with my hobbies, I am much more likely to be thinking about them while... Getting a glass of water, going to the bathroom, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that says something about school for me, but that's not yeah. important. Let's move on. Keep keep it rolling. We only have 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> um, so, like a month and a half ago at this point, we talked about W... No, we talked about Google I.O. is the thing that we talked about then. And I said, it didn't feel like Google was being very innovative. And you told me to ask you about innovation in Apple in um, July. And so now it's July, by my count. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, for- I forgot I was supposed to be paying attention to that. <laughs> I didn't watch the event. I don't know what's going on. Uh, they've got, a, they've got a, a, big, a big computer. Apparently, <laughs> it doesn't grate cheese. Um, no. I heard about that. I heard a terabyte of RAM. A terabyte of RAM. Which is ridiculous. A uh, special field gate program field programmable gate array card for doing mm-hmm. afterburner. Um, is that it? Yeah, for doing video. Stuff, you know, because now their Apple is video. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I got excited about signing with Apple. Signing with Apple. I don't. I I think I'm gonna count that as innovation. That feels like an innovation. I don't know though. Why do you think that's an innovation when clearly it has been done? I wonder if it's less that I'm looking for innovation and more that I'm looking for something that I didn't expect, even like, I don't know, I'm not tuned in to the the Apple news or the Google news, but like, I hear about it when somebody's like, hey, I think they're probably going to make a Mac Pro because they said they would. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about signing with Apple pre-event. And it's not even that like, I didn't hear about it, but also that I couldn't have been like, oh, this is probably going to be the year where they make their own sign in thing. Like Google was like, hey, we're doing Kotlin 2.0. And that's like, wow, you did 1.0 two years ago. That makes sense. And like Catalyst is a pretty, like it changes a lot of things, but also that's something that happened on, on Chromebooks with Android Mm -hmm. last year, two years ago. Uh, what about, um, Swift UI? Do you hear anything about that? Not at all. Okay. Basically, you can mix in 
a declarative language into your UI instead of the uh what's the the word for normal swift um it's making it much more CSS-y and much easier to make an a simple app and That's much cool. easier to make hard apps and it's also live updating all right so no compiling and stuff it just appears on the phone i dig yeah i don't know it's cool it's i don't would not call it innovation necessarily but it Mm -hmm. is cool i heard about combine is that that's the it's rx swift but it's first party now that's uh swift ui that's what i was talking about oh i think wait what what's what what's combine combine is the thing that casey list was all excited about yeah, I thought that was Swift UI. No, that's what Mark is all excited about. That's wait, what what puts iPhone apps on the Mac? Catalyst. What's Combine? Combine is the reactive one. So that's your uh everything is everything is a list of events now. Oh, I might have something screwed up. I don't know what's going on. I don't pay attention. <laughs> I think you're right about Swift UI. Okay. Um Combine is just Because, like, you can have a thing, and you can have a list of things in normal programming, and Mm -hmm. then you can also have, like, events that come in. And so Combine fills in the the other square, and it says you can have a list of events, and they come in at different times, and you can do something different every time, but it's all coming in through the same stream. Hmm. I don't know what that means. I don't know, like, what, why that's different than before. Uh, It's better for, like, dealing with when people tap things. You don't have as much saved state, which apparently is bad to have. The right. saved state is where the bugs are. Yeah, I suppose. If you save a state, then there's going to be lots of bugs. Uh, what else happened at WWDC? Um, the dark mode for iOS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I call that innovation. Uh, but Zach, it's a dark mode. Right. Zach, it's a dark mode. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's the pretty. mode is dark now. Yeah. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm reconsider that statement <laughs> please um yeah yeah I don't know. yeah ipad os that's a thing yeah it's different now but the same but different wow we remember when we started this and it was like i yelled about milk and then and then we talked for the rest of the time about our our productivity tips and whatever and new we, thing google had come out with yeah then we remembered that we're not uh what's his face for our work week guy tim ferris tim ferris and then we stopped giving out productivity tips because we don't know anything Mm -hmm. and then we realized that we're just advertising for google Mm -hmm. and then um now we're here and goodbye everyone what's next You might not call anything that Apple did this year innovation, but you know what I call innovation? Esperanto. The language that no one speaks. They just like language. Bam. Here's a language now for y'all. We made it specifically for you. We were like, hey, there's a market gap for languages, and we're going to fill that market gap with Esperanto. But constructed languages are um, not all the rage. Instead, what's all the rage is languages that people already speak. (laughs) Yep, Um, that makes sense. Uh, uh, Can't confirm. Don't (laughs) like languages that no one speaks. (laughs) For example, Icelandic. There's there's certainly people, um, probably like at least a thousand people who speak Icelandic. Um, Yep, that that checks out. I don't know if it's much more than that. It's like 
not even the entire population of Iceland speaks Icelandic at this point. And that's a problem because uh, Iceland likes speaking Icelandic and like the, the Iceland government likes it when people speak Icelandic because it's an important part of culture. And I think it's, I, I was just reading an article on Quartz about the team in the Icelandic government who takes words um, from other languages and turns them into Icelandic words, but doesn't do the English thing where we just like took a French word and pronounced it wrong. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. They take a word and they're like, wow, instead of calling it a television, we call it a photon thrower or whatever, you know, because it throws photons at you. Um, and that just takes the, takes the Iceland concepts and applies them to new words and i think that's really cool and i think it's it's very neat because a lot of places have a government office or a royal office or whatever that takes the the language and puts it in some sort of official form and i think it's interesting that english doesn't really have that it's probably because english is already such a mess yeah (laughs) changing english would be a bigger mess mostly making new words for english is you might as well just use the mispronounced french word right like making a word more english is uh it's a recipe for disaster mhm because english is not it it is a certain way it, it there is uh certainly a a style for english words right, right. but it is mostly just in a, a an amalgamation of other languages mhm so you might as well have it have the word in those other languages. Okay. So you think that like um like they were talking and they were saying that an important part of the Icelandic language is that it conveys ideas that their culture holds dear very succinctly. Um like how the there's a lot of words for the different ways that snow can exist in one of the languages that they speak up near Alaska. Right. And that's because it matters to the culture the different ways that snow can exist. Um, but so, for example, the Icelandic language has a word for um, when the weather is just so nice that you have to shut down the office and give everybody the day off. <laughs> Which is like, I'd love to live in a, a place that has a word for that thing. Uh-huh. It's like um, if you went to a country and they were like, you were like, hey, do you have vacations? And they were like, what's a vacation? And you were like, sometimes you don't work. And they were like, what does that mean? <laughs> You'd be like, I don't want to work in this place. Right, right. And so this is the opposite. They're like, sometimes we just take a vacation because the sun is out and we never, it's the climate of Iceland is not the climate of the tropics. And, and we just need, we need to experience the sun when there's some sun here. So I'm going to take a, a solar free and the whole office is going to take the day off because it's sunny. Nice. I, um, so I have an issue with something you said. Okay. If these things are important to the culture Mm -hmm. but more and more people are not speaking icelandic in that culture right is the culture not changing to be less focused on these things i know very little about iceland fair enough but in general but i think having the ability to express in a singular sign to say hey we're all gone solar free and just slap that on your front door or whatever, I don't know how it works, um, makes you more inclined to do it. Yeah, I, I understand. And so I think just because people have stopped doing the thing recently does not mean that the entire notion should be cast aside. 
No, perhaps not the entire notion of a sola tree should be cast aside as clearly ridiculous. We should never do that. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have a word for that. It's ridiculous. But, on whole, if the argument for continuing to, I don't know, what, what would you say, push this language? Um, one of the big things they work on is keeping it modern and keeping it usable in a lot of contexts. Right. Why, why would you venture that people are using Icelandic less? Um, there's more tourists. And right. so there's more people coming in who don't speak Icelandic. And so it's just easier to speak English to those people and to assume that people speak English, especially like in Reykjavik. Um, and also that globally culture is very English speaking. And so the kids who are growing up on the internet are not as um, concerned with Icelandic. They were saying that like, if you have a Google Home, you can't speak Icelandic to your Google Home. You need to speak English to it. Mm -hmm. And language being such an important part of culture. Mm -hmm. If people are not speaking Icelandic, mm -hmm. their culture is changing, which is okay. Right. Nothing, no one's forcing them to, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, if, if the people of Iceland wanted, wanted to, they could go like isolationist and just like practice Icelandic culture in theory. Yeah. I don't recommend it. It'd probably be real tough, but like the culture is changing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good thing that the language is changing with it. But I don't think anyone should be upset that people are speaking less Icelandic. I'm not even sure that you said that they are, but... Um, yeah, that is true. They are upset that no one is speaking Icelandic? Um, there are people working to make sure that people keep speaking Icelandic. They never said that they're mad and that... That's fine, too. Like, keeping it updated, keeping it modern, uh, keeping it true to the, the, the heart of Icelandic. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. that's totally fine to do. And no one, certainly no one is going to be like, no, we should keep Icelandic. I don't think anyone would be like, no, we should keep Icelandic, uh, Stone Age Icelandic. Right. I think it's a cool thing that they're modernizing and updating it to try to get people to speak it more. But, you know, just kind of just got to roll with it when it comes to culture. I, it's not something you can... Well, you can, but you shouldn't uh, try to push around in a certain way. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been thinking a lot about wanting to like keep things stagnant. Um, and so I suppose this is just another, another stone on that of wanting to keep things from changing and feeling like you've reached the, the uh, you know, monolithic, put my flag down, this is what Icelandic culture looks like. And that's how are you feeling about that? I don't think it's good in a lot of the other contexts I've been thinking about it, and I just didn't apply that lens to thinking about Icelandic. Personally, I'm sad that people are speaking less Icelandic um, because they still have the thorn and they still have the F, and I don't know very many other languages that still use those, and they're very fun letters. <laughs> so you were saying, actually, I have one more thought, which is you were saying that English the way that it is, should just wantonly grab words that it thinks are cool and suck it into English? Uh, I don't think I said that, but okay. I think you said that that is the nature of English. Yes. Is that that's, I, what, that's how it does. It tends to, yes. Um, do you think if we started doing that for Icelandic words, 
Like if we wanted to <laughs> to take the notion of solar free or we wanted to take, you know, whatever word they have for like when snow is big and wet and heavy, but the sun is still out. Um, I think that uh, it would eventually get integrated into the vocabulary. However, I think it is probably going to be a lot of appropriating in the meantime. Do you think we should keep using the thorn if it's already in that word? No. Dang it. I don't want to type it. Uh, but it's such a cool letter. I agree, but like there is this mostly happens with food where like the name of a food has an accent in it and right. you just kind of take out the accent in mm-hmm. all like casual conversation. Not conversation, but in, in casual text. Mm-hmm. I think that would happen. I think you would find something, the letter that is closest to the thorn or that is uh, closest in uh, enunciation to the thorn. Uh huh. And we would just use that. Even if you tried really hard to use the thorn. I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to figure out like the Android keyboard API and make a keyboard that doesn't do most autocorrect except it autocorrects anything that could have a thorn from the TH. And that's the contribution I'm going to make to keeping Icelandic alive. So those people in that Icelandic government agency, they have a dream that more people will use the Icelandic language in more contexts. Right, right. But they wouldn't have to worry about dreaming if they just power napped all the time they did i don't i don't remember who did it but like the weird i remember yeah where you instantly got to rem sleep in your 20 yeah. minute power naps yeah yeah you like mega power nap five times a day and then that's that's good and your body is fine and safe and healthy and there are no negative effects <laughs> um in your social life or in your mental health or yeah you know and you you're fine. you just you're fine um, or I suppose uh, a better implementation would be some sort of biphasic sleep, um, where you sleep a longer amount of time at night, um, when most people in, in your hemisphere are probably asleep, and then you sleep, no, it wouldn't be hemisphere, what's the, like, the other way around, the east and west instead of the north and south? Are they still it's hemispheres? It's still hemisphere. What? Yeah. Awesome. It's just, a uh, half of a sphere. All right. Um... Oh, okay, yeah. You sleep You sleep a good chunk of time at night, but then you also, sometime in the middle of the day, take a consistent nap. Right. So, my trial was to take a 20-minute power nap, and I had four weeks to do it. <laughs> yep. Uh, the challenge was, the trial was, more accurately, actually fall asleep with a 20-minute power nap, because I've tried power napping before, but could never fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I'll just lay there for 20 minutes and then go back to whatever I was doing. And over the last four weeks, not once did I fall asleep during a 20-minute power nap, unfortunately. I tried a few times, but uh, it never really worked, so I just didn't. Yeah, that's too bad, because it, it worked really well for me, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it worked. How, how was it, Zach? Um... <sighs> mostly what worked was just introducing the notion of nap into into my brain so when i get home from work and i'm feeling a little bit drained and want to do something else later on but right now i'm not in the mood i don't sit on my phone and scroll for an hour instead i can lay down and nap and now i feel better i feel revitalized and i don't feel like i've wasted an hour scrolling 
did you usually limit it to 20 minutes or did you take the more time than that? Oh, sometimes I took more time than that. It depended mostly on how much I had slept the night before and then also whether or not my partner was trying to nap with me because I think like you, they cannot hang with the 20 minutes exactly of a power nap. Mm. I usually set my alarm for like 25 minutes just because it takes five minutes to get there and then... Okay. But yeah, I don't, also I don't sometimes that... it'd be like 40 minutes because they were like, hey, that's I can't do that and we need to actually sleep right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it was the time for me. I think I would have just sat there for 40 minutes or mm-hmm. two hours or whatever. Does your brain go somewhere when you lay down for 20 minutes? Yeah, it goes everywhere. And it, uh, and even when it doesn't go somewhere. When Okay, so like I can't sleep normally. Mm-hmm. I can't sleep with the regular schedule when it's night. Mm-hmm. I can't sleep normally. And I don't know. It. I would sit there and it never felt like I was even close to sleeping. You know? Mm-hmm. I was just sitting there. And you, you know, put on your proverbial noise machine and... Yeah, and I, I closed the blinds, I made it dark, I uh, did the, um, you know, I got uh, the chamomile tea, the proverbial chamomile tea, whatever, like, things mm-hmm. I usually do to sleep, which don't work usually, but especially did not work now with the naps. I wonder if I'm just more exhausted than you are most of the time. <laughs> or like Possibly. if my body is better at acknowledging that I'm exhausted. Yeah, no, I just, uh, for, for whatever reason, I just don't like the, the notion of it. Yeah, I, I just kind of reject sleep when it is at that time. When, when your brain goes, when you're laying down, if you drew a map of it, would it, be like, would it be like a line or a zigzag or just a circle? What do you mean by, what's the difference between a zigzag and a line? A line would be like, okay, well, tomorrow I've got to, or, you know, when I, when I get up from this nap, I've got to go do my laundry. And then you would think, okay, before I do my laundry, I need to grab a couple quarters. And a zigzag would be more like, okay, well, when I get up, I need to do my laundry. Oh, shit, and I forgot that I need to read this book for tomorrow. Oh, my God. And, um, uh, oh, shoot. And I'm thirsty. God, that's so uncomfortable. Like... <laughs> Okay, it's uh, certainly much closer to zigzag than line, but um, maybe like trees, I guess. Like there, there okay. are lines, but they zigzag within the line. So you would do all of that, and then you would say, "Wait, it's time for laundry. I gotta think about my laundry quarters." Or you know, even sleep. Like, okay, well, yeah, this is all great. I went down this line. Now it's sleep. Oh crap! I gotta do the second thing, and then I go down that line. And I, oh mm-hmm. no, nope, we're sleeping. We're sleeping. Oh, the third thing. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I guess a tree would be the most <laughs> mind mappy kind of way to describe it. Um, okay. The the thing that is stopping me the most is though is that um, even when I am tired, it does not make me want to sleep. This is true for uh, my typical eight hours as well. What does it make you want to do? You know, s- s- uh, stay up and play Stardew Valley. I think I've said this on the podcast before. I have to be physically exhausted to sleep. Yeah. Mentally speaking, who cares? It could be mm-hmm. any. It could be any amount of tired. Doesn't matter. You just want to stay up. Hmm. But I still, I know I have the best chances of falling asleep, e- even if I'm not physically and in- in- complete, completely physically exhausted. I right. guess 
physiologically would be a more apt word for that, not physically. Like, I still have energy in a calorie sense. Mm-hmm. But physiologically, I am exhausted. That's the only 100% way to fall asleep. Otherwise, it's like 20% <laughs> per hour, I Could you go for a run and then take a power nap? Mm, no, because then I'm all hyped up. Because it's not the... Uh, it's the difference between feeling like you have energy and actually having energy. That's what I mean by calories, right? Right, okay. Calor- calorically speaking, I have plenty of energy. And I would have less energy if I go for a run, but I would be, but I would feel energized if I went for a mm. run. Dang. I have a really hard time sleeping. Yeah, that sounds tough. And that's why I can't take a 20-minute power nap. What's the next one, Zach? Um, so much fun. I'm having a great time. I have, I have two options. I have been trying to, I've been zigzagging between the two. Both of them are very much like for me and you're just along for the ride. Hey, both of them are, are things that I want to be better at. And no, I know what both of them would look like for me, but it's... Should I do the easy one or the hard one? <laughs> which one's which? I'll tell you which one I want to do. Which one do you think is the easy one? I think for you, track your trash is going to be the easy one. That wasn't my question. No, I, I answered what I thought the question was. Touche. What do you think for you would be the easy one? I think being bored would be easier for me. Mostly because of my roommates, right? Or is this just a personal thing, tracking trash? Just a personal thing. Okay, so I just, like, make a tally when I throw something away? No, hold it. What? Hang on to it. So you have, no. like, a literal... I'm not doing that. That sounds hard. Right. No, being bored is so much easier. Uh, dang it. Where am I going to put a bag of trash, Zach? Where do you usually put a bag of trash? In the trash. <laughs> right. But I can't look at... I, I can't take this bag of trash and say at the end of two weeks this is my bag of trash because it's not just my bag of trash i'm saying you keep a bag of trash in your room that's not where the trash goes though do you only have one trash can for the whole house yes okay (laughs) why is that hard to believe i just i am so used to households where there's a trash can in every room I mean, I have a small one, but it gets dumped into yeah. the big one. Do you, think, do you think the amount of trash that you produce in a week could fit? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's not important, because I already told myself that if the one that I thought was hard you thought was easy, I should just do that one, and that's be bored. <laughs> okay. I want to know more about the trash thing, though, because I'm, now I'm just curious. Cause... Well, then we'll have to do it for another challenge. Ah, uh, uh... Trial. Another trial. Fine. We're being bored for the next two weeks. This is going to be great for morale. Your homework is to, to watch that video that is linked. And also, I, I might have a podcast to recommend to you, but that might also be against the, um, the spirit of it. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'll you know, try to be bored. Is there a metric that we can try to hit? Um, if you want to think of a metric in the next 15 minutes, we can. Generally, for me, I'm just going to try and increase. Um, uh, I was listening to a thing with Cal Newport, and he was talking about how being bored is not just about like being sedentary, but about the amount of other brains influencing the thoughts inside your brain. 
And so in that way, sitting and listening to a podcast is not being bored, at least not in the sense that I'm thinking about it. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's kind of how I think about it as well. It's and not really even meditative because the idea of meditation is to not be bored, but to be not thinking. Right. So it would not help you very much according to Veritasium. So sitting there thinking something that is uh, so easy for all of us. Oh, you know what? Why don't I just uh, be bored while I'm trying to fall asleep? That's, uh, that, that's, what I'll be, that's what I'll do. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> A little bit, but not very much, honestly. All right. Um, well, listener, if you want to be bored with us and let us know how it goes, you can post about it on the Reddit. Um, if you have ideas for future trials, um, you, can, you can email them to us at trials at superawesomecorp.com. Or I suppose you could always uh, reach out to me and say something on Twitter. I am at 